the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Don't millennials screw everything up? No, I swear that's what I heard. I heard that millennials were messing everything up because they don't want to buy houses. They don't want to buy cars. They want nice iPads and good phones, but they still want to live in their parents' basement. And there's really nothing good to be said about millennials. New Mike, have you heard this? I have, and I also (laughs) heard a weird statistic that they don't like mayonnaise. No, that's just you who doesn't like mayonnaise. No, I love mayonnaise. <laughs> no, you're right. I have heard that about millennials and mayonnaise. What is that? I don't know. It's You know, I'm going to try to give millennials a good name because unfortunately, I am a millennial. You are a millennial, yeah. Mike. And you don't fit into the millennial mold. I don't. I don't. Because first off, you like mayonnaise. I love mayonnaise. It's like one of my favorite condiments. Right. Second of all, I think you probably would like to buy a house and are kind of thinking oh, yes. you might do it sometime soon. I'm in soon. the process of doing it right now. You're no longer living in your parents' basement. <laughs> <laughs> I left when I was uh, 17. Okay, so so, so, yeah. so no basement. Check mark off that. Okay, no basement situation there. Um, however, yeah, you do like your technology. Oh, of course. But I like my technology Who too. Doesn't? And I'm, I'm not a millennial. I mean, I'd rather have a nice phone and a nice iPad than... Yeah. I don't know what else, but I'd much rather have that. So I guess I'm kind of millennial-esque. But, I mean, but, this, but the public perception, Mike, right, is that you guys are falling down on the job. We are. Like societally speaking, you guys are screwing things up. We need to step it up. Are we, are we at least good at like anything? Yes, you are good at something. I'm so glad you what? asked. Yes, because listen to this. Now, this has been reported over many news sites, including our own P, uh, PG here in, in Pittsburgh, but... I like the article in particular that came out in Boise that millennials may be screwing everything up, but the one thing they're doing right is they are staying married. Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. <laughs> Marriage that we I just love it so much. It's the Princess Bride, if you don't know it. And if you didn't know it was a Princess Bride, you need to rent it or watch it immediately, stream it. For years, the divorce rate in the United States has been increasing, but the latest census data shows an impressive drop, 18% in eight years. Hey. 18%. 18%. A recent study from the University of Maryland, Mike, and all of you millennials, attributes the decrease to this generation, ages 22 to 37, who have been found to be less likely to get divorced. 
Way to go, 22 to 37-year-olds. <laughs> compared, to gen- to compared to Generation X and baby boomers. The study found millennials like Mike are waiting to marry until they're older when their careers and finances are more stable. Experts say that that can also lead to more stable marriages. Now, did you wait until you were older to get married, Mike? No. No. Okay, forget that part. Okay, you don't. That and the mayonnaise. Yeah. You're not with your group. Okay, but there's something else. I think this is really important that other generations can learn from millennials. Millennials go to marriage counseling. Wendy Barth, who is a licensed clinical social worker in Boise, Idaho, who specializes in marriage counseling and couples therapy, says that 75% of her clients are millennials. Wow. She says, quote, I think a lot of younger people, because they don't feel nearly the same stigma that older people do, will seek out marriage counseling earlier. They kind of expect to have some rough patches in their relationship. They're not averse to help, and they know it's not a bad thing. So they'll come in sooner and take preventative measures so they don't get to a bad place. That's true. My my wife and I actually go at least once a month. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I always – I like to – I like to uh, remind myself of the term of, you know, why do you go to, to the doctor to get a checkup? So you try to stay healthy. Exactly. Right? So why not do that? Why not? Why take- wouldn't you want to head off a problem right. before a problem becomes a problem? Exactly. Okay. So this woman says, this is this counselor who's speaking. She says, um, while millennials are more likely to seek professional help as soon as they need it, other generations tend to wait longer. Barth said that one study found the average couple waits as long as six years. That's too long. You think? That's way too long. Six years before turning to a professional for counseling, which means, she said, really six years of resentment and really unhappy times. Okay. She goes on to say that there's a classic dishwasher argument. Dishwasher (laughs) argument? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Okay. She says, the thing I see that's most common in couples is that they tend to get into a conflict and they don't really understand what it's about. Okay. And what we really know about that conflict is that it goes down to the level of emotional safety. So a lot of times couples are continually having the same argument over and over again, like how to load the dishwasher or something silly like that. But it's not really about the dishwasher. Uh It's really saying something like, do you care about me? Now, Mike. Yes. Now, you say that you and your wife are committed to counseling, which yes. I think is terrific. Um, and I salute you for that. Do you fight about the dishwasher? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you? Of course. What do you mean? No, actually, we're, we're, we're the most perfect couple ever. No, right. You've ever. never fought We've about never anything. Get out of here. Come on. No, we, uh, we, we argue about that. We argue about who's going to take the trash out, which I always end up taking the trash out because I promised my wife. That before we got married, when we were engaged, I told I told her I'll always take the trash out, and and I shouldn't have said this at the time because she always reminds me of it. Every weekend, I will cook breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What? Yeah, it's like my dad did that growing up, so I kind of felt like that that was a responsibility on my part. You'd cook every meal for the weekend? Every weekend, yeah. I I mean, there's a couple of times where I was like, "Come on, babe, can you like, you know, give me a free pass? Give me a free pass here." But yeah, I try to. I try to do that every weekend. So she'll remind me of that. Um, So we sometimes argue about that and, you know, other normal, regular marriage stuff. Now, my husband and I never fight. Oh, really? Never, (laughs) ever. All right. So it's not exactly true. (laughs) However, I will say, I don't believe we've ever fought about the dishwasher. I mean, we fought about a lot of things. And basically what the woman's saying is is whatever whatever stupid petty thing you're fighting about is probably not about the stupid petty thing. It's probably about something deeper. And I get that. But I do want to focus on the dishwasher for a minute because 
I don't believe we've ever thought about that. I think that my husband and I naturally must look at the dishwasher the same way. Now, huh. I fought with my mother-in-law about the dishwasher <laughs> more times than I could count. Uh, she, my mother-in-law, God rest her soul, Bunny Emmons, who I loved, she had one correct way of loading the dishwasher and every other permutation was was just unacceptable. (laughs) And it could not be tolerated. Not for one minute. (laughs) So I'd go to her house and I'd load her dishwasher and every single time she'd tell me I did it wrong. And then she'd she'd, she'd say, move that blue thing up, move that, move that. And she'd tell me how to move the whole thing. That would drive me nuts. I mean, it was, it was something else. Anyway, but so salutations for you and all of your millennials who are Thank keeping the, hey, keeping the marriage business we're doing in. one thing right i like that a lot all right um big concert in pittsburgh last night oh yeah were you there i wish i saw john staggerwald tweet about it last night and i thought was to he myself, there no i don't think he was there but he did tweet about it and i wanted to go so bad i love this guy Great version. What are you playing? That is. This is uh, Elton John song, of course, Benny and the Jets, live at Las Vegas. Oh my gosh, that's. And he's playing on his classic red piano. That is outstanding. I've always wanted to go see him live, and I'm so mad at myself for not going. Well, don't you worry because you have another chance. What? Yeah, yeah, you have another chance. He's going to be back in Pittsburgh November 13th of next year. Where? Yeah. He's going to, uh, I don't, it actually doesn't say, I'm reading the, the Trib article, but he'll be back November 13th, 2019. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And you can buy your tickets starting in October. Right mm-hmm. Yeah. And probably sold out. It was, last night was sold out. You know how old he is? Um, I'm going to say 81. You're off by 10 years, 71. 71. 71. It was a sold-out show last night in Pittsburgh. It was part of his multi-year Yellow Brick Road Farewell Tour, which pays tribute to Elton John and his 50-year-plus career. He started out last night apparently by saying, Good evening, Pittsburgh. And then he said, Please bear with me if I don't play one of your favorite songs. So he played this. Uh, I guess that's why they call it the blues. I'm just looking at a couple of the the things on the set list. Tiny Dancer, which is a song I hate. I hate that song. You don't like that song? Oh, you know, for the longest time, I always thought he was singing about Tony Danza. Well, of course. <laughs> but then, then you thought, wait a minute, why is Elton John singing about Tony Danza? Because right. that would be really stupid. <laughs> um, Candle in the Wind. Remember that? I didn't like that one very much either. Wasn't that about... Yeah, Marilyn Monroe, right? I thought it was Princess Diana. Oh, right. I don't know. Well, Tiny Dancer might have been about Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn. One knows? of them was about Marilyn Monroe. In fact, there was a photograph of her... Um, photograph of Princess Diana. There were all sorts of stuff. There was a massive digital screen apparently behind the uh, behind the screen. Hmm. And um, one person who was interviewed in the, in the uh, Trib article I'm reading, Benny Pryor, he's 59 years old. He says he was a tad disappointed that Elton's outfit wasn't more outlandish. Oh my gosh! Get I know. Over it. He said he kept it kind of simple and toned down. 
Now, he, uh, as far as wardrobe goes, he did change it several times. It included sparkly cobra and floral <laughs> emblazoned jackets <laughs> and at least three shade swaps. We went from heart-shaped rims with a pink tint to crystal-crusted teal cat eyes and ended with solid red-rimmed. I think it's funny because I thought I saw John Hall last week wearing that same outfit. <laughs> John Hall's Fashion Rules. (laughs) we got a great show coming up. Hey, I'm going to replay a conversation I had with Pittsburgh's own Salim Gubriel, who's the head of the Pittsburgh Promise here in town. And you're going to hear that just a little bit coming up next. We're also going to talk about integrity, and we have a lot in the 5 o'clock hour as well. Plus, NASA averted a near accident today. 101.5 WORD. Do you ever feel like giving up on prayer because it seems like yours are never answered? Well, maybe before you give up all hope, you should spend some time examining your life and the effect it has on your prayers, because God never promised to listen to everyone's prayers. The Psalms, which we're looking at right now on Through the Bible Radio, teach us some good lessons on living a life that produces powerful prayers. So please join us. Through the Bible, this evening at 9 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. If you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay, then you need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available. And free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing throughout the country, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call the Community Tax Helpline at 800-500-5588. If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, There's no need to fear anymore, but you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-500-5588 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your Social Security check. Call 800-500-5588 for your free consultation and to see if you qualify. That's 800-500-5588. Is there an issue in your life that's making you sweat? You're not sure how to deal with it? James McDonald believes the solution is in God's Word. So listen up. You handle the possibility that possibly the reason your, your trial has come is because God wants to display to you, to your co-workers, to your family, to some people who know you and know your situation, that God wants to show himself strong on your behalf. Maybe that's why you're going through that right now. Maybe that's why you go through the same things that your non-believing neighbors go through. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth, searching for those on whose behalf he can show himself strong. That's James McDonald and Listen Up. And you can hear more from the series called I Am, Finding Your Identity in God, when you go online. So check us out at walkintheword.org. There's a lot more Bible teaching like what you just heard available for download. Listen Up is a production of Walk in the Word. This is Chris Abernethy of Abernethy and Hagerman. You don't want the government deciding what happens to your estate or how much they will take. At Abernethy and Hagerman, estate administration is the heart and soul of our practice. We have the experience to help not only plan, but administer your estate properly. To protect your assets, minimize taxes, and ensure that your inheritance gets to the ones you love. 
Decide for yourself. Abernethy and Hagerman. Legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. With the new year in sight, the team at Calusi is in the midst of their year-end sales event. Hi, this is Tunch Ilkin for my friends at Calusi Chevrolet. This month, current GM leases can save over $11,300 on a 2018 Silverado All-Star pickup when financed through GM Financial. Also, save big on remaining 2018 models such as Equinox, Trax, and Malibu. Calusi Chevrolet has been serving Pittsburgh since 1918. They're easy to find online at Calusi.com. Chevrolet, find new roads. Word FM Discount Shopping Club members get up to half off great deals every day, right from your computer or smartphone. Now with free shipping. Like today, get away twice as long for half the price. At Laurelville Christian Retreat Center, enjoy a two-night stay in their single-family cabin in a safe and scenic woodland environment. Just 45 minutes from Pittsburgh, a $250 value. Yours for just $125. Log on now to wordfm.com. Keyword shopping. This is such a treat for me. I mean, I absolutely love this. Sitting across the table from Salim Gabriel. Salim Gabriel, an advocate for children and for the city of Pittsburgh, an ordained Presbyterian minister, devoted his life to serving the people of his community through outreach, education programs, and a lot of humor. Well. And bad humor. We specialize in that. That wasn't it. That wasn't on this. I'm Speaking just, I which, added that. Yes. You went through your Rolodex and you invited like every old Male that's not true. On your in your that's like not in your true. old friends book to that's be not on true. your sh- first of all, you're not old. Byron Borger. Now listen, now be quiet and, and let me, me? Think. listen. Be Combined qu- age three hundred and seventeen. Be quiet and let me keep reading about you. In nineteen eighty five, Salim founded the Pittsburgh Project, a community development organization that provides free home renovations to hundreds of vulnerable seniors and mentors, educates and deploys thousands of volunteer youth in meaningful community service, and for whom my daughter is working this summer. Oh. Salim led the project till two thousand and eight when he assumed the leadership of the Pittsburgh Promise, which is a regional economic and workforce development entity that focuses on transforming the quality of education and life in the city of Pittsburgh, making higher education a reality for all of Pittsburgh's urban youth. Not only that, also volunteer pastor of the Mosaic Community Church on the north side, serves on the board of a bunch of places, and is an awesome human being and a great friend. Salim, I'm so happy you're here. Well, thank you, Kathy. It's happy just, to be here. I'm, I mean, it's a real treat. It's embarrassing, though, to follow Byron Berger. Oh, I, I always feel dumb. No, but when he's talking, I have to I talk to dumb. him all the time. Are you kidding me? Okay, I just finished so- reading the, like, the March issue of Penny Saver. What's that? You mean the Penny Saver? The Penny, the penny like doesn't exist anymore. Tiger Beat magazine? No, it, Tiger Beat doesn't exist anymore either. I'm working on my no. 1987 <laughs> it's subscription. Been, it's been replaced by Facebook Marketplace. That's the new Jeez, thing. Jeez, he is so brilliant. Isn't he the best? And okay, so I met Byron when I was 18. Yeah. But I met you when I was 14. That's right. I mean, what the heck? That's right, Kathy. I've known you the majority of your mm-hmm. life. That's exactly right. And, and my I am life richer is, for it. Uh, my life has been better since that day. It was. Can I tell everybody? Sure, sure. Knock you were up. when you were fourteen years old. Mm-hmm. You were on a on your church's search committee for your next youth pastor. You were no. The, who brings a fourteen year old on a committee to find a new youth pastor? Who hires the twenty three year old youth pastor? <laughs> I mean, in retrospect, it was bad I judgment all the way around. Question the wisdom of the church. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and then there you were. And there I am. By God's grace, we survived it all, yes. and somehow exactly love and right. grace win every time. It isn't. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. So you spent years as a youth director. Mm-hmm. When you were 
what, maybe 20, what, six years old, you started the Pittsburgh Project? Yeah, started it at 25 and, yeah, 25, 26. And um, at that time, I was still serving at the church, and the church was very gracious to let me do both the work at the church and then support me in in launching this new ministry on the north side. Memorial Park? Memorial Park, amazing church in the North Hills. That's who brought us to Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Um, And little, you know, then we were thinking like typical youth pastors will be here for three, four, maybe five years. Our daughter was three months old, and now she's 34 years old. (laughs) You're still here. We're still here. (laughs) Kind of like the dysfunctional mess nobody else wants us. (laughs) I don't think that's what it is. But somehow you fell in love with Pittsburgh. It's amazing. Uh, that would not have been something that I, I expected. Yeah. Um, you were from Dubuque, Iowa? From, well, from Beirut, Lebanon. Well, first, right? Born and raised in the Middle East. Okay. We immigrated here when I was 16 years old. We settled in Iowa, of all places, not the first place immigrants go to. Um, but then we came to Pittsburgh after stopping in Philadelphia and spending two years. With oh, I forgot. You Tony were out there with Campolo. Tony Campolo. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A very formative two years. His fingerprints are all over my life and work, and I'm very thankful for him. Uh, and we came to Pittsburgh to do youth work at Memorial Park Church and then felt, well, this was largely Tony's influence and the Holy Spirit's as well, uh, a deep, profound sense of call to places of brokenness and where um, – where there are lots of kids who just don't have access to the opportunities and to the resources that other kids have and every kid deserves to have. So Tony's challenge was always, Salim, you need to go where you're most needed, not necessarily where it's good for you or your family, but you go where you're most needed. Um, and that's a, you know, that has, we have tried to think like that and act and live like that ever since then. Um, so anyway, so we left the North Hills and moved to the North Side and started the Pittsburgh Project. And we've had the joy of living in that same little place where mm-hmm. you were our next door neighbor. I mean, for a few years, six years, six, years. six glorious years. We shared a home in that little duplex. We just had a thin wall between us. I know. Those of you who don't know, Kathy is married to an amazing man who is a phenomenal jazz guitarist, and he would practice for hours every night. And every I mean, when night. we moved, you missed him a lot more than me. Be honest. Well, uh, yeah, you're right. I understand. Yeah. I understand. I know. He, I, I, we went to sleep every night listening to jazz, live jazz. Mm-hmm. Who has that? I know. And we don't have it anymore. Right. You do. I do. Yeah. I still have it. Yeah. I still have it. He's amazing. He's a special guy. He is. He is. I married well. You did marry well. Thank you, God. I married well. And you met him when you were at Pitt? I did. Uh, I actually had graduated from Pitt. I was at Belfield Church, which is on the Pitt campus. And um, I met my husband when I was playing a prostitute in the church play. (laughs) And ever since then, it was, I've got to be honest with you, it was just love at first sight. Actually, it took many years for us to start dating. But um, but once we married, and you married us, Celine. I did marry you. um, And so everything about, you know, our... our, uh, our legal union was based on you saying the magic words that, you know, this is Eric and Kathy Emmons. Um, I pronounce you husband and wife. Right, exactly. And you owned a house in the north side then. You just bought half of a duplex and you said, hey, how about you guys coming and what do you think about living in the other side? I mean, you were homeless. You were a homeless prostitute exactly. and you needed a place to live. I mean, so we offered you Tony the other Camp- half of our duplex. Tony Campolo told you to reach out. That's right. Go where you're most needed. <laughs> Anyway, you're still in the same house in the north side. We still are. Uh, talk about your years at the project. How long were you there? 23 years. Wow. Wow. I mean, you know. In How the, did that change you? Wow. Um, remarkably. You know, um, I, I don't want to over, uh, over romanticize this or kind of like stretch the hyperbolic boundaries of appropriate conversation. Uh, but 
it, it's very important for I'm convinced of this. If 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 Christians are serious about Christ likeness, it's very important for Christians to not every now and then drop by and visit a poor person or a broken mm. person or a hurting person, but to share life with broken people and poor people and dis, disenfranchised people and folks who experience racism and violence and all sorts of things beyond what humans are meant to. I mean, it's not it's not a it's not an accident that Jesus said. Listen, when you feed hungry people, you feed me. When you give them a drink, you give me. When you visit them, you visit me. When you release them from oppression or from their prisons, you release me. He identified very keenly and very personally, very intimately with, with poor people. Um, so how has that changed me? I think I have, I have, I have come to know Jesus more intimately because mm-hmm. I've spent, um, well, nearly my entire adult life right now in that context. Mm-hmm. So 26 years with the Pittsburgh Project. 23. 23 yeah. years with the Pittsburgh Project. Pittsburgh Project still going strong. Now Executive Director Wayne Younger. Taking yes. over. Wayne, a great friend of our show. Great friend of mine as well. What a good man. What a good, good man. I'm very excited about the trajectory there. Um, and we need to step aside. But when we come back, Salim, I, I think I want to take a step back back. You mentioned at the beginning that way before there was a Pittsburgh promise that we'll talk about, way before there was a Pittsburgh project, and way before you ended up in Pittsburgh, you started out with your family in Beirut, and you were an immigrant to the United States. Now, one of the things that has been a continual source of frustration in all of our arguing about immigration in our country is we just don't talk to immigrants. We have all of our ideas in the theoretical realm, and yet we don't talk to immigrants. So one of the things that John and I have tried to do over the last couple months, and we're going to be doing even more in the next couple months, is talking about immigration from a personal perspective. Mm-hmm. We can talk about policy perspective. We can talk about how civics works and how we want. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have conversations about borders or security of any of those things. But if we're not talking to people who actually have immigrated here, then I don't want to hear any of our theories because they don't mean anything. So Salim Gabriel's personal story coming to Pittsburgh as an immigrant, as a junior high kid from Beirut, coming up next on today's Ride Home. Have you racked up more than $10,000 in credit card debt? Are you barely getting by, making minimum payments? You should know. The credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. Credit card companies would rather you didn't know that there are ways you can become debt-free and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. There are debt relief programs that help people like you escape overwhelming credit card debt. National Debt Relief has helped tens of thousands of people just like you reduce more than $500 million of debt. National Debt Relief has helped so many people, they're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. You don't have to declare bankruptcy or take out a consolidation loan. You have the right to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a large portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-942-4730. 800-942-4730. That's 800-942-4730. With the new year in sight, the team at Calusi is in the midst of their year-end sales event. Hi, this is Tun Chilkin from my friends at Calusi Chevrolet. This month, current GM leases can save over $11,300 on a 2008 Silverado All-Star Pickup when financed through GM Financial. Also, save big on remaining 2018 models such as Equinox, Trax, and Malibu. Calusi Chevrolet has been serving Pittsburgh since 1918. They're easy to find online at Calusi.com. Chevrolet, find new roads. 
Hi, everybody. This is Craig Wolfley from my friends at J&D Waterproofing. For every waterproofing or foundation repair, a portion of the proceeds go to the Light of Life Rescue Mission or the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Hello, this is Ralph Sindrich. I'm proud to be a part of this program and such a fine service to be offered to the community. For every job commitment, I'll provide a signed copy of my book, NFL Brawl. Call for a free estimate at 1-800-VERY-DRY. That's 1-800-VERY-DRY. Or visit us on the web at jdwaterproofing.com. The T.J. Martell Foundation, music's promise for a cure. To learn more, visit tjmartell.org. That's tjmartell.org. Word FM Discount Shopping Club members get up to half off great deals every day, right from your computer or smartphone. Now with free shipping. Like today, get away twice as long for half the price. At Laurelville Christian Retreat Center, enjoy a two-night stay in their single-family cabin in a safe and scenic woodland environment. Just 45 minutes from Pittsburgh, a $250 value. Yours for just $125. Log on now to wordfm.com, keyword shopping. For all the many years that we've been doing the ride home with John and Kathy, both Kath and I really appreciate all the advertisers who've been with us. Grove City College is our newest advertiser, and we are so happy that Grove City is with us. Both of our children attend Grove City, so we, as proud parents of children who attend Grove City College, we say thank you to Grove City College. Partly cloudy tonight, breezy and chillier, going down to 42 degrees. Tomorrow, clouds and some breaks of sunshine, very cool, high 52. Cloudy tomorrow night, chilly with a little rain from late evening on, low 38. And for Saturday, some spotty morning showers, otherwise staying quite cool with clouds and some intervals of sunshine, highs near 50. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Spending an hour with my wonderful friend, Celine Gabriel, who is the head of the Pittsburgh Promise, a regional economic and workforce development entity that focuses on transforming the quality of education and life in our city and making higher education a reality for all of Pittsburgh's urban youth. Um, when you were a youth, Celine, you weren't even an American. I was not. I was born and raised in Lebanon in the Middle East. I'm an Arab. Arabic is my first language. Mm-hmm. English. Do you still speak sec- it? I do speak it. Okay. In Kana Lahu Ma'ana Faman Alayna. Did that bless you, Kathy? It, I hope it did. It did. Okay. I said, if uh, God is for us, who can be against us? <laughs> well, then it did bless the me. The first scripture that I ever memorized. It's the truth in any language. That's right. Um, so, yeah, Arabic is my first language. Um, when I spend time, like any more than a day or two, with my mother or extended family or visiting in Lebanon, right away my accent comes back, which, like, I love. That's so and, neat. And I, I wish, love that. I wish, like, I had it full time. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, part of coming here as a 16-year-old meant coming here young enough to kind of assimilate and adopt and embrace my brother and my sister and my parents, who, right. all of whom are older than me, all still have thicker accents than I do. Mine pops up every now and then. So we fled because of the Civil War in Lebanon that uh, hit hard in 1975 and lasted through 1990. So, uh, And we took some casualties as a family. Some cousins and uncles were shot and killed. Our house was bombed. My brother was kidnapped. We got my brother back. Our house was bombed. Our car was set on fire, and we uh, f- uh, fled one night. And why was that? Why was your family a target? Well, we um, we were kind of 
partly caught in the line of fire and uh, partly because, well, my father was employed as an accountant working for the American embassy uh, uh, as a civilian, as an Arab, working as an accountant. Uh, but we lived in a part of the country that was not pro-America and, um, in fact, in many cases, anti-American. And, and uh, we were Christians. We were in a part of the city that wasn't necessarily very fond of – and by the way, terms like this – I think this is really important to note – terms like Christian and Muslim, at least for that part of the world, are more sociological and political definitions mm, than they are interesting, faith statements. Interesting. On yeah. my birth certificate, yeah. Kathy, everything in Lebanon is done on the basis of religious quotas, which I think is atrociously bad. Um, so on my birth certificate, it has, all of, it has all of the stuff that is typical on birth certificates, but it also says – Protestant. That on my birth certificate, certificate, it says that I'm a Protestant, born to a Protestant family, and therefore in the census, I'm accounted for as a Protestant, and as a pro- and all of Protestants combined, for example, make up just two percent of the Lebanese population, and therefore they get two percent representation in Congress. Catholics make up 48% of the population, and therefore 48% representation in Congress, and so on. Um, so. So, so when I say we were Christians, we were mm. Christians. I mean, we went to church, yes, by category, and, but but certainly by that by that political and sociological definition. Um, so we were uh, Christians. We were affiliated with the U.S. government, living in a part of the country that was not a fan of either. Um, there, that's overly simplistic, but that's kind of at the at, at surface level. That's um, what it kind of boiled down to. Uh, but largely, we were caught in the line of fire. The uh, rocket that came through our house was—we think of it—we think it was. Um, well, I'm not going to go into the some of the political but, but stuff. But not intended for you. Not intended for us. No, our house was just in the way, um, mm-hmm. and they were they were bad at pulling the trigger and aiming. So we just kind of fell in the line of fire. Um, my father woke us up in the middle of the night, and my, my brother and me, and said, the car's packed. Let's go. We're leaving. And uh, that's how we learned how, it. How do you get your head around that when you're 16? Yeah, it was very painful. So we landed in the U.S. I was just short of 16 in the summer of 1976, and, uh, and that was the summer before my junior year of high school. No doubt in my mind that that year, so far at least, it may be uh, that may change, but so far that year was the worst year of my life. It, I may have worse ones, but mm-hmm. I haven't yet. The culture shock, the language shock, Can't the uh, uh, you know, I, I didn't know how to behave in an American uh, system, in American high school, and I spoke English with a, with much more of an accent. I went to uh, schools founded by Presbyterian missionaries, American missionaries to Lebanon. Um, learn, you know, studied English there, but it was just a major. And we settled in Iowa, not the you know, kind right, of right. Not the immigrant place. hub, right? So that was a that was a real challenge. However, through it all, um, I you know, like I don't want to quickly kind of gloss over all of the horrible stuff that happened. Um, but it wasn't purposeless. It was absolutely mm-hmm. not purposeless. Good, you know, if uh, God does cause all things to work together and work together for good, and that was the case for us. Uh, coming to the U.S. has been a great blessing, and I'm very thankful for um, for the second chance that my family was given in that sense, mm-hmm. literally. Uh, and I've become a huge fan of second chances, not just on the immigration front, but on every front, mm-hmm. because all of us are fully dependent on the grace that comes from saying, yeah, you screwed up, but let's try it again. Yeah. And that uh, the, the ability to try things again by God's grace doesn't doesn't end you know the uh very thankful for that that god doesn't say you, you have this many times to get it right and then out of the pool adult swim kid um 
<laughs> so glad he doesn't say that. <laughs> we need to take a break. When we come back, I want to ask you, Salim, if that immigration process was easy for your family, um, because that's one of the main problems we're having in our country today, is even for people who want to emigrate uh, legally, it's just so unbelievably cumbersome, complicated, and expensive. So we're, we're trying to talk about immigration in a way that is life-giving and honest and in a pursuit of truth. We're hoping that we can come up with um, a way to talk about it that honors people and not just ideas. We're back with Salim Gabriel from the Pittsburgh Promise next. You're a good mom. You've tried every parenting tip in the book, but nothing seems to stick. Your child is smart but just can't sit still and focus. Or maybe you know that something is just off. If your child just can't do things you think he should be able to, there is a reason. Brain Balance can help. For over 10 years, the Brain Balance program has helped kids just like yours. This customized program doesn't just mask your child's issues, but gets to the root of the problem. If your child is not making friends, is disruptive in school, or life just seems a lot harder than it needs to be, it's not that he's not trying. He just can't change what he can't control. The Brain Balance Program can help. If you feel your child falling further and further behind in school, don't wait. Call your local center today and find out how Brain Balance can build the strong foundation your child needs for a brighter future. Visit BrainBalance.com for the center nearest you. You don't know when your AC unit will call it quits, but you can rest assured it'll be at the most inconvenient time possible. And who has all day to wait around for a tech to arrive? With Ventec, there is no waiting around, including evenings and weekends. Ventec will repair and replace forced air, central AC, and even offers split mini-duct units to heat and cool individual rooms. With flat rate pricing instead of hourly fees. Clean, courteous, convenient, and A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. Ventec, 412 Great experiences are meant to be shared. How about the experience of a great night's sleep? This is John Hall, and I've been sharing with you about my pillow for a long time. It's truly the most comfortable pillow I've ever owned. It's machine washable, dryable, never loses its shape, and it gives me the support I need no matter what position I'm in. And it comes with Mike Lindell's famous 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Once you experience my pillow, I'm sure that you'll love it too. And you're going to want to share that great experience with somebody else, which is great because right now you can get two my pillows for the price of one with Mike's buy one, get one free deal. Just call 1-800-961-9207. Mention the promo code word to start enjoying the best sleep of your life or type it in when you visit mypillow.com. So don't delay. That's 1-800-961-9207. Or visit MyPillow.com. Use the promo code WORD. The day after Thanksgiving, feed your soul. Join Amen to Action as we come together to sing, pray, celebrate, and pack one million meals of hope for the hungry. It's Friday, November 23rd at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center. Doors open at 8 a.m. And all faiths and ages are welcome. Come fill your heart with joy and one million plates of food right here in Pittsburgh. To register, go to amentoaction.org. Salim Gabriel is in studio. You know Salim because he runs the Pittsburgh Promise, which is a regional economic and workforce development entity. That's a lot of words. 
Yeah. I mean, they all mean something, but it still is a lot of words. It's a little I mean, too wordy. I mean, the Pittsburgh Promise is an organization that advocates for kids and families in Pittsburgh. We're trying to do three things. We're trying to lean on our public school system to deliver a higher quality public school education. We're creating college access to kids by raising $250 million to send them to college, and we've sent 8,100 kids to college so far. And then finally and thirdly, uh, once we get them through college, to get them to come back and have the companies that are supporting us to hire them and so that they enter the region's workforce and be a part of the economic vitality that hopefully will benefit everybody. And you've been at The Promise for how long? Since it started, uh, 10 years ago. How about that? Yeah. Wow. Okay, so we're going to go back and talk about your immigration story, but I don't want to leave The Promise without asking you um, what you've seen in the city that is different to you. I mean, you were immersed in the Pittsburgh Project for almost 30 years, so it's not like you were a stranger to the city. But being in The Promise, you're in a whole different environment. Yeah, I'm in a, uh, I am not in an overtly uh, faith-based setting. I have I have very generous access to all of our kids at our urban public schools. I get invited often to speak, whether it's uh, – I don't want to brag, Kathy, but I – No, am, I want you to brag. I am the most sought-after commencement speaker for pre-K ceremonies. What? I talk to more kids who are four years old Come leaving on. pre-K to go to kindergarten. Oh, my gosh. So now you have a set speech. You're not even writing them anymore. You're just – because that one is so good and it, so solid, you're just going to say it no matter where you go. In fact, it's so life-changing yeah. that I had a kid raise his hand recently at one of our pre-K commencement ceremonies. And I was ready for one of those. Salim, your talk changed my life. Right. Before I met you, I was lost mm-hmm. and going nowhere. Now right. my life has I direction. Never knew, I never knew what vocation meant I wish, today. Uh, yeah, I wish I'd met you earlier to have been <laughs> preserved from the life of indignity that I've experienced yeah. thus far. Mm-hmm. But his question was, um, sir, why is your head so shiny? <laughs> to those who are listening, I'm a bald man. <laughs> to which I replied, I- I'm an Arab. This head produces more oil than Kuwait. He didn't find that funny. Oh, it's sad. That's sad, just because that four-year-old hasn't gotten out enough. I think that's the problem. All right, so let's go back to to your immigration story. So coming from Beirut, um, 15 years old, nearly 16, coming into America after having a traumatic experience, um, did you consider yourself a refugee family? We were not refugees, so we came right away with a green card. Green card is that thing that is the very coveted thing that is the first step toward becoming an American citizen. So um, uh, we so we came right away as permanent residents, and I have to tell you that's a very privileged status to have, because my father my father only had a fifth grade education, but he taught himself first bookkeeping and then accounting, and then he worked as an accountant for the American Embassy in Beirut and started as just an entry level clerk, and then rose. They they he worked hard. He was a good student, and he um, was promoted substantially at the embassy. And he served the U.S. government as an accountant and as a civilian for nearly 20 years. And uh, when they were evacuating American citizens, out of respect for my father's service, they gave us each a green card. And then mm-hmm. they snuck us into a convoy and got us out of the country. By the way, just a tiny bit of a sidebar. I, ha- I was the uh, guest preacher at Northway Christian Community not too long ago, and I shared this little bit of my story. And then afterwards, one of... Um, a gentleman who's maybe 10 years my senior waited until everybody who wanted to talk to me finished talking to me. And he came up and he said, what year was that? And I said, it was July of 1976. He said, I was a Marine in Beirut, Lebanon, charged with evacuating American citizens since July in, in July of 1976. And I, of course, I cried. You've like, got to be like kidding. He was one of our <gasps> rescuers. And I met him 40 some years later in Wexford, Pennsylvania. <laughs> 
what are the odds Isn't of that? Isn't that incredible? It's just really incredible. Oh, my yeah. goodness. So we came right yeah. away with that amazing, privileged little yeah. piece of paper that said we are not just documented, but we are on a path towards citizenship. Now, even then, it was really, really hard to um, go through the application process. Was it? Okay. Um, it's always been hard. Well, that's not true. In, in more recent history, it's gotten really hard for immigrants who want to come and embrace American life and culture and assimilate in it. It's been really hard for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting a green card is a very hard thing to do. You can get a shorter term visa, but your life is really in transition until you have something permanent. So getting a job, being able to buy a house, being able to settle down, mm-hmm. those are really hard things to do because when your visa expires, you have to leave. And if you don't leave, you become an undocumented illegal. Uh, so it was hard then. But today, it's crazy hard. The difficulty, the degree of difficulty has increased so dramatically. And also, the number of green cards that are that are allotted each year has gotten much smaller. Um, so the demand is higher, the supply is smaller, mm-hmm. and the, the battle rages on. Okay, so based on your personal experience, the experience of your siblings, knowing that, watching from a distance how your parents were navigating all of that, remembering where you had come from, I mean, you must look at the immigration debate in America completely differently than I do. I mean, I was born here. So to me, it's all theory. But for you, it was reality. It is reality. And it's, uh, of course, heartbreaking. And I I identify with immigrants and with the immigrant story. And uh, my kids uh, who are, you know, first generation born here, they uh, they are one step removed. But they are keenly aware of the fact that their father was mm-hmm. not born here. And when immigrants are talked about with really broad brushstrokes and also statements and decisions are made that affect the lives of families they know and cousins they have and people they have visited in Lebanon. Uh, You know, it is personal. It's real. And it has to be humanized. The debate has to Mm -hmm. be humanized. Uh, Leaving it at the level of the theoretical is leaving it at the safe at the place of kind of convenient safety. Sure. Um, Where it's easy to draw black and white lines. That's right. It's so easy to talk about an issue when there is zero personal investment or zero personal knowledge. I think that's the problem. And, you know, I've said this multiple times on the air. Um, I don't know what I think of the immigration debate. I think it's complicated. I think the issues at play are difficult. And I don't think there are any easy answers. I immediately distrust someone who speaks as if they've got it figured out and they've got it cornered. What I'd much rather hear from is people who are... Um, interested in finding results, but th- but doing that through interaction with actual immigrants trying to navigate the current system. Um, and so that's why I'm so one of the reasons why I'm so happy that you could be here today. Okay, so if you were going to just speak to people at, like me, who grew up in America, don't know anything about the immigrant background, what would you say to help us to maybe understand the immigration story in a different way? I mean, the cliche is that there aren't any there are, uh, the large majority of folks who are on American soil are are immigrants just a few degrees removed from the first generation, aside from Native Americans. Sure. Only the Native Americans are native to this land. Everybody else and so we were all immigrants is at an one immigrant point. to this land, right. Uh, there once was a time when the borders were open. Now, you know, they have gotten, and I understand the, uh, the necessity of closing borders and having uh, clearly defined boundaries for national identity. I get that. I get that. Um, but I think it's, it's super important for Americans to remember that unless you're a Native American, you are, a, you are mm-hmm. a beneficiary of an immigrant 
and immigration systems. And then for uh, those who come from the Christian faith perspective, to remember that according to um, nearly every every page of the Bible that describes the heart of God in, in real practical and tangible ways, the message is that if you want to live in a good and just society, a good you will know that it's a good and just society only if the widow and the orphan and the alien farewell. Those are biblical words. When the widows, orphans, and aliens farewell, then you're living in a good and just society. And mm-hmm. if they don't farewell, then you have some serious, some important questions to uh, to answer. Um, you know, uh, and, um, reminders that you yourself were once an alien, so don't mm-hmm. forget the aliens. Don't forget where you came from. Yeah. 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 And don't forget what it was like. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it's time for another break. Um, but there's more ahead with Salim Gabriel. Next, I want to talk about the Pittsburgh Promise. Find out where it's been, where it's going, um, the kinds of things that you're offering to kids in the city, and the ways that it's changing the complexion of what we think of as Pittsburgh. That's next. Today's Ride Home. The average person considers estate planning just for the wealthy. Attorney Michelle Conti, host of Conti's Law on estate planning for the everyday person. There's a lot that goes into it. People take more time picking out what car they're going to buy, where they're going to go to dinner, as opposed to what happens to my children. The state will dictate who gets what if you don't indicate who is to receive your stuff upon your passing. We want to make sure we plan appropriately so that they get the best of both worlds. They continue to receive the benefit and they get the inheritance. The other thing you have to think about is tax planning. We try to be proactive in the approach that we minimize any type of tax consequence when somebody dies, depending on the value of the estate. These taxes range anywhere from 45 to 40%. So we try to make sure that the beneficiary will receive as much as they legally are able to. Hear more on Conti's Law, Saturday morning at 9 on WORD. For immediate help, visit ContiLawPGH.com. Great experiences are meant to be shared. How about the experience of a great night's sleep? This is John Hall, and I've been sharing with you about my pillow for a long time. It's truly the most comfortable pillow I've ever owned. It's machine washable, dryable, never loses its shape, and it gives me the support I need no matter what position I'm in. And it comes with Mike Lindell's famous 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Once you experience my pillow, I'm sure that you'll love it too. And you're going to want to share that great experience with somebody else, which is great because right now you can get two my pillows for the price of one with Mike's buy one, get one free deal. Just call 1-800-961-9207. Mention the promo code word to start enjoying the best sleep of your life or type it in when you visit MyPillow.com. So don't delay. That's 1-800-961-9207 or visit MyPillow.com. Use the promo code WORD. In addition to counseling and spiritual direction services, the Pittsburgh Pastoral Institute offers educational opportunities in psychology of religion, domestic violence, spiritual integration, art therapy, addiction, dialectical behavioral therapy, and trauma. Pittsburgh Pastoral Institute offers an interfaith-friendly environment to help heal and educate. 
continuing education credits are available. To learn more, click on events at pittsburghpastoralinstitute.org. I have never had a female dentist. I started to have problems with a tooth, and I thought, you know what, I'll just go once. David remembers his first visit with Dr. Megan Stock. I had such a good time that I'm surprised they allowed me to come back because I had a lot of things that needed to be fixed. She makes you feel so calm and so comfortable. She's just terrific at what she does. I have had no discomfort at all with anything that she's done. Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Wrapping up an hour with the Pittsburgh Promises, Salim Gubriel. We've been hearing about his immigration story. Uh, Salim's invested, I would say, most, the vast majority of his adult life in the city of Pittsburgh, running the Pittsburgh Project first, and then after uh, 23 years leaving and going to the Pittsburgh Promise. Um, Salim, in our remaining minutes, I want to um, invite you to talk about the Promise. You've been there 10 years yeah. already. The Promise has been in existence for 10 years. Um, so talk about what you see there, what's happened and what's to come. So the Promise was just an idea 11 years ago, and the idea was that we needed something that is of a fairly substantial, um, uh, potentially substantial impact that we could use to jumpstart, to kind of shock into life what we felt at that time was a public school system that was not serving its kids at all well, uh, urban neighborhoods that were um, uh, difficult, if not uh, horrible places for our kids to grow up, and um, and a population that was bleeding out of the city. Mm. So we said, well, what if we pushed hard on a school reform agenda that included creating access to higher education for every one of the kids who's part of the urban public school system, and then commitments by <coughs> our employers to then hire the kids that we educate and then send on to college? We did a financial analysis. We did a study. We did a year-long uh, a season of preparation. And then we launched. And we launched a $250 million campaign to work on, on those three things, school reform, college access, and then workforce development. However, the large the large percentage of the money goes to the scholarships. Uh, and then we, we, we are certain of this. We are absolutely certain of this, that that a high school education is just not enough. There once was a time when a high school degree – could get you a high school diploma, could get you a job that paid you decently and supported mm-hmm. the family, which is why we have a public K-12 system, because the 12th grade education used to do that. Well, it no longer does that, but we still stop at the 12th grade with the free ed- education in our country. Um, so we said, all right, we know right now that a high school education is not enough. A four-year degree isn't always necessary, but some form of post-secondary credential is absolutely critical, whether it's a workforce certification, a trade or technical education, something that's a credential that enables you to get a job that a high school diploma will not. So we launched with that premise 10 years ago, and we started giving scholarships to the class of 2008. Since 2008, Kathy, we've seen high school graduation rates in our urban public schools go from 62% to 80% this year. We have seen college going rates go up, go up by about 20 percentage points. And beautifully, our kids, once they get to college, are staying and finishing college That's at rates. Awesome. Yeah, at rates that are equal to and in some cases higher than the rest of the country, depending on the type of school. And then, so we've sent uh, more than 8,100 kids to college. 8,100 kids to yeah. college. And wow. spent $120 million so far on their college educations. Those are, you know, some of them are at Grove City, some are at uh, Westminster, some are at uh, Villanova. 
large percentages are at your alma mater at Pitt. Our second largest group go to Pitt. And those, of course, the people that will end up happiest and most intelligent. They, uh, uh, you are a living example of that. And they marry well. Come on, son. They do marry well. I got it. Someone's got to stick up for Pitt. Come on, Celine. Yeah. I love Pitt. And I love Pitt's Chancellor Gallagher. Oh, is, you know, and I, you know, I've never met him. Yeah. He's doing a great to. job reminding Pitt and the, and the Pitt community, which is global, that Pitt stands for Pittsburgh. And he's digging mm. deeper roots in, our, in, in, our, in Pittsburgh's urban core. Which is as it should be. As it should be. That's, I mean, that's and just. It's both and. It's that, not right. Just that's one better the for the city and it's better for the university. Yeah. yeah. All right. So um, we only have a minute left. Um, the promise. Um, if people want to find out more information, if they want to be involved in the promise, how does it work? Yeah. Visit us at pittsburghpromise.org. It's that simple. And we do need folks who mentor kids. We have a, an initiative called be, a, called be a Middle School Mentor. We need, of course, folks to support us financially. Uh, and we need employers to make it a priority to hire our graduates. I love that. Salim Gabriel, he runs the Pittsburgh Promise. And I was going to say the project. I've said the project for so long. Yeah. He used to run the Pittsburgh Project, now runs the Pittsburgh Promise. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here today, Salim. Thank you, As always. So fun to be WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. It was another steep drop on Wall Street today as the Dow Jones Industrial Average plunged 546 points today with a two-day drop of about 1,400 points. Valor Capital Portfolio Manager Nicola Marinelli says the downturn in global markets could continue for another couple of weeks. We are going to see some continuation of this because it's one of those uh, uh, events that is taking people by surprise. Uh, And therefore, I think that uh, we will see um, probably outflows from... um, products that invest in equity markets. Indexes in Europe and Asia also skidded. The S&P 500 index is on track for its sixth consecutive loss as investors try to gauge the best place to put their money amid concerns about interest rates and trade. This is SRN News. following is a true story. My name is David Bryant. When I was 37, my wife and I decided to get term life insurance through SelectQuote. Just three years later, I was diagnosed with ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Because of life insurance, the people I love most in this world will be protected no matter what happens to me. I know that the dreams I have for my family can still come true. Financial security, to stay in the home we became a family in, and for our children to be able to go to college. I reached out to SelectQuote because I wanted to share my story. If just one person purchases life insurance, I know I will have made a difference. SelectQuote can find a 37-year-old male a $500,000 policy for under a dollar a day. If there are people you care about, you need life insurance. It may be the single most important financial decision of your life. Don't put off protecting your family. Get your free quote now. Call 800 That's 800-671-7070. 800-671-7070. Or go to selectquote.com. This is a paid endorsement. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Not available in all states. Change furnace filters. Check. Change smoke detector batteries. Check. Install CO2 detector. Check. 
Make sure the furnace is ready in good working condition. When you have Pellis Heating and Cooling service your system, check. You're ready for anything. And be confident knowing a Pellis Tech is available 24 hours a day in case of emergencies. With after-hour calls, return within 30 minutes. Keep your family comfortable with a comfortable family company. Pellis, P-E-L-L-E-S, at PellisHVAC.com. We've been very honored to win the Better Business Bureau Torch Award for Business Ethics three times, which is great. Energy Swing Windows, Steve Rennekamp. But we were recently recognized with an award that was totally unsolicited. It's called the Best of the Best Award. Uh, This is an award you don't apply for. And the organization that does this selects companies that have great reputations in the marketplace. They look at your online reviews. They look at your website. They look at Better Business Bureau reports. They look at a whole variety of things and they determine if you fit the criteria of being the best of the best. And fortunately, uh, they thought we did. There's a very short video on the front page of our website that talks about this award and the way we do business and why we received it. Energy Swing, best of the best. Right now, Word FM listeners get 5% off over and above any current offers on windows and doors and $1,200 off any basement finishing project. Visit EnergySwingWindows.com. Five years ago, a National Barna Omni poll discovered that 77% of evangelicals believe we're now living in the end times as described by the Bible. But how can we really know? Don't miss the most comprehensive, in-depth, prophetic end time seminar anywhere. You'll be amazed at how much information God's Word provides. This all-day end-time seminar is Saturday, November 10th at Christ Church at Grove Farm. To learn more, go to endtimeseminar.com. That's endtimeseminar.com. Partly cloudy tonight, breezy and chillier, going down to 42 degrees. Tomorrow, clouds and some breaks of sunshine. Very cool, high 52 Cloudy tomorrow night, chilly with a little rain from late evening on, low 38. And for Saturday, some spotty morning showers, otherwise staying quite cool with clouds and some intervals of sunshine, highs near 50. I'm AccuWeather Meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. But not John Hall, just Kathy Emmons. John Hall taking another day off, joined by New Mike in the other studio. New Mike, happy to see you today. Happy to see you, Kath. Welcome to your transitional day. My transitional day? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yesterday was summer and tomorrow's winter. And so today's your transitional day. You know, John texted me. About 20 minutes ago. John Hall did? John Hall texted me. And he texted me a picture of him sitting on the beach. And it said, on the, 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 the text said, it's 91 degrees here and sunny. So I texted him a, pic, a picture back. Obviously, it's about 70 degrees here and very dreary. Right, and it's going to be 50 in about 20 hours. Yes, yeah, don't, don't remind me. <laughs> I don't this at all less than 20 hours in about 14 hours it's going to be 50 degrees i can't believe he sent you that ignorant text message that's just rude i'm upset about it that is just rude anyway our best wishes to john as he enjoys another day of vacation as we just you know do what we do mike which is keep track of the news and uh bring interesting stories to you hopefully all right so this came to um the forefront of the news today about harvey weinstein uh you know that harvey weinstein has been accused of uh 
sexual misconduct by more than 80 women. Um, ABC News reports today, though, that the criminal case against Harvey Weinstein sustained a blow this morning when prosecutors with the Manhattan DA's office dropped one of the charges against him. Now, without getting into the particulars of this case and these allegations, because it's just... Well, it's just not family radio. Let's put it that way. Uh, the prosecutor in the case, whose name is Joan Aluzi Orban, uh, told the court today that she would drop count six of the indictment, which involves an actress by the name of Lucia Evans, who accused Harvey Weinstein of forcing her to perform a sex act back in the year 2004. Um, the story is kind of complicated, and I had to go through several news sources to kind of get at what happened. Um, Lucia Evans' lawyers are saying that the DA's office has abandoned her client and that Harvey Weinstein is absolutely um, as guilty as he ever was. However, the prosecutors are saying something different. Um, they're saying, according to a letter that they made public today, um, the alleged victim, Lucia Evans, um, wrote a draft email to her husband, which detailed her experience with Harvey Weinstein. And the details of that email differed significantly from the account that she ended up giving to the prosecutors. Now, I'm getting that from the L.A. Times. So apparently there's some confusion over exactly what Lucia Evans meant to say. Um, she told prosecutors that she had been forced by Harvey Weinstein to perform this act. Um, she said in an email to her husband that it was a consensual, like she chose to do it. He didn't force her to do it. She chose to do it, which of course completely changes um, the criminality of the act. So, um, so Regardless of exactly how we see that or how the lawyers see it, the bottom line is that count six of this indictment has been dropped by the prosecutor. Um, apparently, they discovered this account um, after Weinstein had already been arrested. And so the confusion over whether it was a forced act or a consensual act has come to the fore and they've decided to drop um, to drop that count. Now, as I said, Harvey Weinstein's been accused of sexual misconduct by more than 80 women. Now, cases have also been submitted to the L.A. County DA's office for review, but no charges have been filed. So the ones that we're talking about are ones that have been brought by the state of New York. Um so reading about this is unpleasant at best. Um, but I think it's important to say that when you look at this in light of the um, experience that we all witnessed in the the um, confirmation hearing of Judge Kavanaugh, it bears repeating that people are innocent until they are proven guilty. Now, I recognize that Harvey Weinstein has been accused by 80 women, but we have to let the law take its course. And I'm not here to def to defend Harvey Weinstein, but I am here to defend the idea that prosecutors have to do their job. And part of their job is to determine exactly how strong the case is and exactly who's telling the truth and who isn't. So the signs that I see around saying, believe women, I mean, that lacks common sense. That's the nicest thing I can say about it. Why should we believe women any more than we should believe men? I mean, men and women are at heart fallen 
and dishonest, which means that oftentimes both men and women lie. So the reason that we have the criminal justice system that we have is because we need to look into it. We need to actually figure out to the very best of our ability what happened. So there have been a lot of allegations about this investigation in New York against Harvey Weinstein. There's a detective who apparently is under some scrutiny because they're saying that he leaned a little too hard, and I don't mean physically, but he leaned a little too hard on some of the witnesses to say that Harvey Weinstein forced them to do things. So he's being investigated. Um, But the prosecutor who works for the DA's office, it's her job to figure out how strong her case is. And she has determined, now it's not that the case against Harvey Weinstein is collapsing in New York. That's not what it is. It's just that one count is being dropped. And the reason I bring it up is I think it's important for us to recognize that we live and we're blessed to live in a country that takes very particularly what charges are brought and what charges aren't brought. Um, If Harvey Weinstein is guilty, I want him to pay. If he's not guilty of a particular thing, then none of us should want him to pay because all of us should want there to be justice in our legal system. Now, the problem is that we all have seen over the last multiple decades, whether you're talking about Hollywood or you're talking about somebody you know in your own experience, perhaps you're a victim yourself, or you're talking about the PA Grand Jury Report on sex abuse in the Catholic Church, that lots and lots and lots of abusers haven't paid. And that's a tragedy. We've talked so much about sexual abuse, especially in the church on this show. And I think the number one thing that we all would say, especially after reading the PA Grand Jury Report, is our very first obligation to anyone who says they're a victim is to listen to their story, to listen with time, to listen with attention, and to listen with compassion. Um, When it comes to our criminal justice system, however, Everyone is innocent until proven guilty. And so it's up to all of us as much as we want every guilty perpetrator to be punished. It's up to all of us to recognize that the criminal justice system is there to punish victims, but it's also there to protect people who are innocent. So we should, all of us who are interested in truth, we should all be on the side of people who are trying to figure out exactly what happened. And oftentimes that's not a fun task and it's not an easy job. Um, I've always, I don't know, I've always admired people who care enough about evidence and care enough about justice that they're willing to wade in and figure out exactly what's what. Oftentimes in a he said, she said uh, atmosphere, and, and one that's as highly charged as the Harvey Weinstein thing. I mean, I can't imagine all of the pressures that are brought to bear. All I can say is I'm not going to believe women, and I'm not going to believe men. Hopefully, I'm going to believe that truth will win out. I don't want to be Pollyannish about it. I know the truth doesn't always win out. But I'm saying if we're not looking for truth, if we're not willing to have that as our goal, if we're just going to believe one gender over the other, then we've lost already. I mean, because clearly we're going to be indicting people who aren't guilty. And that's not going to solve the decades and decades and decades of abuse by people who've gotten away with it. So. For Harvey Weinstein, I hope for justice. And for every abuser, I hope for justice. But also for those who have been accused, I hope for a fair hearing and a fair trial. All right. On a happier note, uh, Mike, I am glad to tell you that today is Southern Food Heritage Day. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
Do you like Southern food, Kat? I love it. Really? I love it. And, you know, I say that with trepidation because you know I try to eat healthy. Yes. The Southern don't care much about eating healthy. No. Have you ever heard of a uh, of a meal called, um, I believe it's pronounced chitlins? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I've had chitlins. What? Oh, yeah. I've had chitlins. Oh, Can yeah. you explain mm-hmm. to the listening audience what... What exactly they are? Yes. I don't exactly know what they are, to be honest with you. I had them in a buffet. Um, it was at a church in East Liberty. <laughs> and um, it was... I mean, I can't say I liked it. Okay, I can't say I liked it. But you know how you taste something and you say, okay, I don't necessarily want to eat this, but I can see why somebody would like it? Yes. That's the category that it fell into for me. All right. Do you want to know what, what, yeah, it, what tell you me. ate? Tell me. So you basically ate either small intestines of a pig <laughs> or mm-hmm. the intestines of a cattle or other animal. Mm-hmm. And it, it was good? You, yes or no? Well, now listen. This was at the Rodman Street Baptist Church, by the way. For all of you listening out there from that church, this was multiple decades ago. Um, I can tell you, Mike, that... I mean, no, I didn't leave there thinking, boy, I would like to have chitlins again. But I thought to myself, I can see why somebody would like that. That's the best way I can explain it. I'd like to try it. It's a, it's a, it's, the texture is working against it. Yeah. Or working against them. I'm not exactly sure how to. I would really like to try it. Okay. Let me, let me bring up something that I do love and have a hankering for even right now. What's that? Grits. Grits. Now I was in Nashville, what, uh, three weeks ago, a month ago. And I had grits every single day I was there. That was my goal. And I good. I met my goal. I absolutely love grits. I love cheese grits. I love cheesy garlic grits. I love anything you can do to a grit. The first time I had grits yeah. was two weeks ago. You yeah. never had grits until I've, two weeks ago? Yeah, I've never tried it. I I was at uh I was at ha- I was in Happy Valley. I went to a Penn State game and right afterwards we went to a restaurant and I was looking at the menu and it said grits and shrimp and uh, pep Gr- grits, shrimp and peppers. I was like, hey, you know what? It's I supposed tried to. It. It's actually supposed to be shrimp and grits. I just wanted you know shrimp the shrimp goes first. Okay, all right. Is that is, that's a southern food, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I had I it twice. It. Oh my gosh, it was so good. Wasn't it delicious? Ah, uh, now my favorite food is mashed potatoes. I know that's really you know. No, it's fine. No, it's a very good food. But I I have to. It has to be. On par with mashed potatoes. <gasps> so you so. like them too. Oh, okay, oh, but I listen to me. Now, let me tell you this. Having grits at Happy Valley is not the same as having them in South Carolina. Oh, I'm sure it's not. At or all. So I want you to go down there and you'd want to do the same thing I did, which, fi- which is find a way to have yourself grits every single day that you're there and you will love your life. It's so, they are so awesome. Listen, I had the best grits I had when I was down there in Nashville was at Woolworths on 5th, which is the um, the original pharmacy where the student protests started in Nashville in 1962. And um, those are the lunch counter protests, if you remember, where college students went and sat at the lunch counter. That was segregated, and they would not leave mm. um, until, I don't know, maybe five or seven days later when they were forcibly removed by a bunch of white guys and police who chased them out, and then they ended up serving 30-plus uh, days in jail. Wow. Um, but that kicked off um, a significant part of the civil rights movement in Nashville. And so I was so thrilled, truly. 
honored I was to be there. And I had dinner there. It's been, it was recently purchased and it's been turned into a absolutely terrific restaurant. And so you can go in there and you can order Southern food. You can sit at the very same lunch counter, the very same one. It's in the same place. It's just, the the seats are, I mean, when they closed it up a couple decades ago, they just left it and it was empty. And finally, someone who had an eye for history uh, came upon it and said, wait a minute, this is a, this is, this could be a museum. And then he thought, wait, even better than that, we should make it into a museum that people want to be in all the time. And so you can so go cool. in there. You can have breakfast, lunch, or dinner. You can sit there. You can, ha- you can listen to great music. Um, it is a wonderful thing. And all around the walls are all photographs of the original student protests. Hmm. The shrimp and grits there. Mm, mm, mm. Absolutely my favorite that I had in Nashville. So anyway, okay, so happy Southern Food Heritage Day. So if yes. you like yourself some uh, grits or chitlins or... Um, or alligator meat or, or beaver tail stew. Jambalaya. Jambalaya. Mm-hmm. Any of that? Chitlins. <laughs> I had alligator on a stick. Did you? Yep. When I was in New Orleans. Now, how was that? It's gross. Is I didn't it like really? it at all. I did not like it at all. What is alligator... What, is, what does that taste it's like? It's stringy. Is it stringy? I don't... I just... The texture was gross. Huh. Yeah, I really, I really didn't. Li- you know, the other thing I didn't like were pralines, pralines, which are like uh, I, I like them in ice cream. You know, they're like um, they're like cinnamony coated pecans. Yeah, I think they're probably deep fried too. Mm-hmm. And they're, I mean, I like them in ice cream. You know, but but I'm telling you, eating them by themselves, it's no fun. Hmm. Anyway, all right. So happy Southern Food Heritage Day, bro! I got all carried away talking about grits and stuff. I'm gonna go eat some squirrel meat. <laughs> Don't have the alligator on a stick. I'm telling you, you'll be sorry. You're a good mom. You've tried every parenting tip in the book, but nothing seems to stick. Your child is smart, but just can't sit still and focus. Or maybe you know that something is just off. If your child just can't do things you think he should be able to, there is a reason. Brain Balance can help. For over 10 years, the Brain Balance program has helped kids just like yours. This customized program doesn't just mask your child's issues, but gets to the root of the problem. If your child is not making friends, is disruptive in school, or life just seems a lot harder than it needs to be, it's not that he's not trying. He just can't change what he can't control. The Brain Balance program can help. If you feel your child falling further and further behind in school, don't wait. Call your local center today and find out how Brain Balance can build the strong foundation your child needs for a brighter future. Visit BrainBalance.com for the center nearest you. Listen, it's the time of year for pumpkins. And I know what Mike did over the weekend. He went to the right place to celebrate fall. And that's the spring house. Happy to have Marsha on the phone with us. Hey, Marsha, how you doing? Good, Kathy. How are you doing? Did you know that new Mike was coming before he showed up last Saturday? I think he called to let me know he was going to check it out. See, that's what I'm really excited that he he had such he had such a fun time. So he said he sampled between he and his wife and his son. They sampled all the good stuff and had lots of fun outside. What are you guys planning for people this weekend? Oh gosh, it's going to be it's going to be a little cooler, which is so nice because it was really hot last weekend. Everybody that came in was red faced. So this is going to be a little cooler, perfect fall weather, and we've got these big, giant, like four thousand pound bales. My brother has stacked up in this 
big giant pyramid. The kids love to slide, uh, climb it, slide down the big pipe slides. They love to um, see the baby animals and the goats. And we have a set of um, identical twin calves that people are naming, and we have, it's a contest we have going on. And then they love to get on the wagon and go up to the pumpkin patch, pick their perfect pumpkin right out of the pumpkin patch. We have a big corn maze up there, and we have a nice little 30-second corn maze for little people that get worried in that big one. And we have all kinds of pumpkin games and a big 12 by 12 corn box that the kids love to play in. And then, you know, it's like a sandbox, but you don't take the corn home with you at the end of the night. It stays in the box. <laughs> so <laughs> right, because that's just, just safer uh, that way. It's a fun time. Yes. <laughs> so um, we've been having so much fun with everybody, and we've had some nice comments, and we so appreciate that. Oh, it's fantastic. Well, that's Marcia from the Springhouse. If you're looking for a fun thing to do with your family, if you've got little kids or little neighbor kids or little grandkids or you're on your own and you think, no, I really need to go out and celebrate fall, I'm telling you the best place to do it is at the Springhouse. Shop Lowe's now to start your next painting project before the holiday season arrives. You'll find everything you need to freshen up the look of your home, including Valspar Ultra. It's a stain-resistant paint primer-in-one that gives you everyday protection against scuffs and stains, starting at just $27.98. And don't forget the Valspar brushes, rollers, and other painting supplies to make sure you get the perfect finish. Come by the Paint Desk in-store to learn more. All projects have a starting point. Start with Lowe's. The day after Thanksgiving, feed your soul. Join Amen to Action as we come together to sing, pray, celebrate, and pack one million meals of hope for the hungry. It's Friday, November 23rd at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center. Doors open at 8 a.m. and all faiths and ages are welcome. Come fill your heart with joy and one million plates of food right here in Pittsburgh. To register, go to amentoaction.org. Pumpkins, 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 and more pumpkins. Pumpkins are what the Springhouse is thinking about this time of year. Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse, and we love sharing our farm with you during this beautiful time of year. We've got all kinds of fun planned for you and your family to be able to spend the whole day on our farm. Pumpkin patch hay rides, a petting zoo, giant square bale stack and pipes for sliding, a hay maze and a corn maze, pumpkin picking right out of the field, old time games under a tent up on the hill, and lots more. And when you get hungry, of course we have great eats inside too, with lots of pumpkin creations. Pumpkin pie, pumpkin cookies, pumpkin bread, pumpkin custard, and even pumpkin black bean chili. Every October Saturday features a family-friendly meal, and October Sundays feature our 4-H hog roast with all the fixins. Plan to spend a memory-making day on the farm at the Springhouse in 84 PA, 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. I think it's easy to, uh, I don't know, read on your computer, check out your newspaper and decide what's good and what isn't. But I'm telling you, it's getting harder and harder. I shared yesterday about reading a um, New York Times editorial by Paul Krugman a couple days ago, and uh, the, it was about the Kavanaugh hearings. And it was really illustrative to me because in the first two paragraphs of Paul's article, which was very well written like all of his articles are, I disagreed with absolutely everything in it. I thought to myself, now how is it that two people, he and I, could have watched the same stuff and we came to complete, I mean, absolutely diametrically oppositional perspectives on that? I mean, it's hard to figure out what's good. 
It's hard to figure out what's right. You think it's easy until you come up against someone who disagrees with you. And then all of a sudden you think, wait a minute, maybe I'm not seeing this clearly or maybe they aren't. We're happy to have Hannah Anderson with us. Hannah lives in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia, where she spends her days working beside her husband in rural ministry, caring for their three kids and writing. Hannah co-hosts the Christ and Pop Culture podcast called Persuasion. She's the author of Made for More and Humble Roots, and her brand new book is called All That's Good, Recovering the Lost Art of Discernment. Hannah, welcome in. How are you? Thanks so much for having me today, Kathy. Yeah, so it's a hard thing. You come up against someone, and I'm not... I wasn't in the same room as Paul Krugman, but I was reading his article and I thought, wow, okay, he and I watched the same thing. Neither one of us were there in person. We watched it in, on TV and we had totally different takes on it. It's hard to figure out sometimes what's good and what's right. It is, and I've found it increasingly difficult um, with more sources of information now that we have um, access to online sources and the digital age and social media. And I'm old enough to remember before social media and before um, we had so much coming at us. And I think it's always been hard to sort through information, but we're in a particular um, point in history where we just have this glut of information coming at us, and we're doing it, we're trying to sort through it in context of our friendships and our relationships, and it just gets so overwhelming and mm-hmm. messy. Um, to try to figure out who you should listen to, uh, what's right, what's hashtag fake news, what's not. And I have found myself over the last few years particularly just being overwhelmed by the number of sources of information and the choices I need to make to sort through it. Yeah. And I think it's also hard because uh, right off the bat, if we don't recognize that we're coming at whatever news story it is, um, or whatever, you know, even if it's someone we're sitting across the table from and they're telling us their own personal story, whatever we're hearing, we filter through our own experience. And that's not to say that there isn't anything that's true. I'm just saying that as we try to determine what's true, we're all held back by and formed by what we know and what we've experienced. We absolutely are. And I think most of the time we're accustomed to filtering information through that personal grid, you know, whether it's our personal experience or maybe it's our um, religious tradition, maybe it's our culture. I think when we come to information, we all have a grid of some kind that we're using to sort out what we are going to choose to believe as truth. And I think that was one of the things that kind of propelled me to work on this book, um, All That's Good, Recovering the Lost Art of Discernment, because it seemed to me that a lot of times we'll opt for our personal grids, and we needed um, we need a grid that's maybe larger than mm-hmm. us, one right. that kind of transcends our own personal experience, mm-hmm. even transcends our culture, sometimes maybe even transcends maybe our religious tradition. Right. I said when I was, um, after I had finished reading that Paul Krugman's article in the New York Times, I said, you know what he needs and what I need is we need a an equal arbiter between us. We need someone who's actually true. You know, we need someone who is the perfect combination of grace and truth that both of us can bow to, both of us acknowledge. And that's the presence of God in the world, is that it, he, he's not held back by our perspective or our background or our experience or, you know, he, he knows 
what fake news actually is. I mean, he knows what news is fake and what isn't. Um, and so when God himself is present, we're just so dumb for not acknowledging him and not recognizing that we need to bow to what he says and how he sees things. Right, and that's exactly why um, in Proverbs, Solomon writes that the beginning of wisdom Mm -hmm. is the fear of the Lord. I mean, we can't even start to sort through things, whether it's um, fake news or stuff online or even our personal life choices, if we go into them so self-assured that we already know what's right. And I think that's so easy to do that we just kind of rush into a situation already convinced that we know, that we have the knowledge we need, we have the perspective, no one else has it, we have it. But what Solomon calls us back to um, in the book of Proverbs is this humility that says, wait a minute, the fear of the Lord, that kind of proper reverence of submitting yourself to a knowledge and to someone who's greater than you is where wisdom really starts. And you don't even get on the path to discerning what's true unless you start there, unless you humble yourself and are willing to say, you know what, maybe I don't know everything. Maybe I need some help mm-hmm. here. And so the next step would be, if you ask for help, um, how, how do we get it? I mean, are you talking about reading scripture? Are you talking about praying? I mean, how does that wisdom and that perspective come to us? Right. So it does come through the scripture. Um, it comes through the um, truth of what is good, how God defines goodness. But I also think um, the scripture gives us some guideposts along the way, um, especially in the New Testament. Paul writes to the believers at Philippians, at Philippi, and he says, I want you to seek things. This is in chapter 4 of Philippians. I want you to seek whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, and whatever is good of a good report. And he kind of gives them these markers and says, these virtues are what you're looking for. Um, and so discernment becomes this pursuit of virtue and of goodness and ultimately recognizing God's character around us. And I think a lot of times we're accustomed to thinking of discernment or sorting through what's good and bad, maybe based on tribal lines or partisan lines or even, you know, like I mentioned earlier, our religious traditions. But Paul's coming along and saying, no, you're looking for virtue. You're looking Mm. for things that reflect the character of Mm. God. That's how you'll know what goodness looks like. Right. And so the character of God is something that is immutable. It's unchangeable. Um, So many times on our show, we've talked about issues that have evolved over decades, right? Something that we understand in a certain way now as a society that we didn't understand in that way 50 years ago or 100 years ago or 200 years ago. Um, And now we see it differently. But God's perspective on things isn't like that. Right. And I think that's why discernment, developing discernment as part of your Christian walk is so essential. Because even over the course of your life, society's going to change, context is going to change, issues are going to change, and you're going to confront new issues every day. And if you haven't developed the spiritual maturity and the wisdom to be able to confront these new issues through the lens of God's nature, it's going to be overwhelming. 
-hmm. But like you said, the truth of who God is doesn't change. So we have this guide um, through truth and goodness and beauty and loveliness and purity that are overarching and are never going to change. And so what we're doing when we discern or we practice discernment is we're taking our current issues, our current context, and we're evaluating against that unchanging standard of God's nature. Boy, an unchanging standard that is what we need. Been talking to Hannah Anderson. The new book is called All That's Good Recovering the Lost Art of Discernment. Details about it, you can find us online, johnnycathyshow.com. Thanks, Hannah. Jen had a very busy day today. Really busy. First, she dropped her kids off at daycare. Then she had a few minutes before yoga class for a coffee. Small latte, please. And then she saved a few lives. Nurse, two units, no negative. One, an injured child. Another, a cardiac patient. And then, a premature baby. All because Jen logged on to bloodsciencefoundation.org and made a financial donation. There, done. You see, local blood donors provide only about half of what is needed to treat patients. The other half has to be purchased and relies on financial donations from people like you and Jen. Ooh, cake pops. So, what have you done today? To make a financial donation that saves lives, visit bloodsciencefoundation.org. Blood Science Foundation. Giving from the heart. This is Michael Medved. I'm here with Mike Stahl from Health Markets, helping folks find the right Medicare coverage. The news reports say that the rates might be going down. The cost of many Medicare plans are decreasing this year. So you have to ask yourself, are you getting the best rate? Health Markets offers a free service with access to thousands of Medicare plans, plans that can eliminate your out-of-pocket costs, plans with $0 premiums, and even plans that pay you back. What is it people need to keep in mind? With so many new options, it can be confusing. You can get objective help to find a plan that may cost less and cover more. With lower copays, more choices like dental, vision, and prescription drug coverage, and the freedom to see the doctors you choose. Don't miss out on savings you deserve. Our Health Markets Medicare assistance is free. Thanks, Mike. This is Michael Medved for Health Markets. Find out if you can get a Medicare plan that pays you back. Call 800-691-2240. That's 800-691-2240. 800-691-2240. To protect his home and family from disaster, Steve used courage, wisdom, and his camera phone. That should do it. Way to go, Steve. By simply taking digital pictures of his family's important documents, Steve can always have them stored safely online, no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme car and truck in Bridgeville. For the extreme in all of us. At extremetruck.net.
Partly cloudy tonight, breezy and chillier, going down to 42 degrees. Tomorrow, clouds and some breaks of sunshine, very cool, high 52. Cloudy tomorrow night, chilly with a little rain from late evening on, low 38. And for Saturday, some spotty morning showers, otherwise staying quite cool with clouds and some intervals of sunshine, highs near 50. I'm AccuWeather Meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. man's birthday how old daryl hall today 72 what? what happy birthday daryl hall listen all the years i was growing up i did not like holland oats i never did really? i thought john oats was creepy i still do he's got that creepy stash he does on. i don't know what's happening they both had a lot of hair Man Eater's a horrible song. I mean, it was just, it was a lot figuring into it. Maybe two years ago, somebody, I don't, I think it might have been Classic Mike here at the station who told me I should watch Live at Daryl's House. And I'd heard of that and I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. You know, I, I'm interested in how bands work and how music comes together and everything. I turned on Live at Daryl's House. Oh my gosh. I well, like eighty episodes later, I stopped watching it. I mean, I've seen just about every episode there is of Live at Daryl's House because it is so great. And Daryl Hall, I mean, I've totally come around. I mean, he's just a tremendous, tremendous talent. I can't get over it, and he has the best band. His, I'm telling you, if you haven't watched Live at Daryl's House, you are missing out. They are such a great group of musicians. And we were, New Mike and I and John, we were so lucky to be at PPG Paints and see Daryl Hall live. I mean, was that awesome, Mike? It was awesome. Can you believe that he's 72? I was just thinking how well he still plays at that age. It's just His voice is out of control. Kudos to him and Elton John. Oh, my gosh. For being that old and still kicking it. I can't believe he's the same age as Elton John. Elton John seems much older. Yeah. That's, it's just, it, it flabbergasted me I watching know. him I, play. I know. And it's it, like, you close your eyes and you listen. It just sounds like he's, he's it, back in his prime It again. really does. It really does. His voice sounds just, I mean this. His voice sounds just as good now as it did 40 it years did. ago. Yeah, it does. I mean, I just, it's, it's really. It's unreal. It really is. Anyway, so happy birthday to Daryl Hall. So you can help him to celebrate a birthday by just watching live at Daryl's house. Yeah, and, you're gonna, and you're going to say, what the heck and how have I not been a fan of his my whole life? All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about a brand new film premiering tomorrow. It's called Gosnell, The Trial of America's Biggest Serial Killer. John Sullivan joins us next. You know the moment. The homework and dishes are done. Your family responsibilities have been met. The shoes slip off and you lie back. It's that end of day. Ah, That's the relief you'll feel when you rest on the body comforting orthopedic. 
Made locally at the original Mattress Factory. Relief from middleman markups and a hard day's work. The original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made, honestly priced. OriginalMattress.com Truth is timeless. At the Original Mattress Factory, our business philosophy is based on honesty and truth, and it never changes. Simply stated, we treat our customers the way we want to be treated ourselves. This means we treat people with respect, we educate rather than manipulate, and we offer genuine value and substantial savings, not simply by saying it, but by proving it with cutaways of our mattresses compared side-by-side with the mainstream brands. Stop by one of our store locations or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see the OMF difference for yourself. More Americans have access to health care, yet are paying more than ever in out-of-pocket and prescription costs. Take control of your health at the 2018 Health and Wellness Fair, Friday, October 26th at Ross Park Mall. A presentation of the Pittsburgh North Regional Chamber, the fair is free and open to the public. From 2 to 7, browse local vendors, hear insights from leading experts, and get your flu shot. Provided by St. Barnabas Health, the 2018 Health and Wellness Fair, October 26th at Ross Park Mall. Details at pghnorthchamber.com. Hi, Michelle Malkin here. If you follow my work, you know that one of the biggest outrages I reported on was the trial of abortion doctor Kermit Gosnell. Healthy woman goes into a clinic, comes out dead, and there's no police report? I helped expose the crimes the mainstream media tried to cover up. We had instructions directly from Governor Ridge's office not to inspect abortion clinics. When the producers of the Gosnell movie came to me for help, I jumped at the chance. I personally donated to make sure this film got made. The Gosnell movie opens October 12th. It's amazing. Kermit Gosnell is perhaps the most prolific serial killer in American history. Dean Cain and the entire cast do a superb job bringing this powerful story of good versus evil to the big screen. Nothing that man did that protects women or children and you don't have to be a pro-life activist to see that. You might be worried that this movie is too scary. It's not. As a mother of two, I promise you, you can and should bring your teenage children to see it. Bring friends and family. You do not want to pass up this unique opportunity to change hearts and minds about abortion. Gosnell rated PG-13. Change for filters check change smoke detector batteries check install co2 detector check make sure the furnace is ready in good working condition when you have pellis heating and cooling service your system check you're ready for anything and be confident knowing a pellis tech is available 24 hours a day in case of emergencies with after hour calls return within 30 minutes Keep your family comfortable with a comfortable family company. Pellis, P-E-L-L-E-S, at PellisHVAC.com. The story of Dr. Kermit Gosnell is something that has to shock, has to absolutely shock anyone who cares about the welfare of women. The fact that the abortion lobby in America uses as its mantra the fact that they defend women's rights, that they're concerned about the health of women, that they're concerned about the emotional security of women is absolutely laughable when you look at the case of Dr. Kermit Gosnell. There's a new film about Gosnell's abortion clinic, and it's premiering tomorrow, debuting in theaters nationwide on October 12th. Please uh, consider going to see it tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday. Um, I'm happy, very, very happy to have one of the producers of the film with us, John Sullivan, and um, happy that he has put his incredible talents to good use in telling this story. John's an award-winning writer, director, and producer, one of the most successful independent filmmakers of the decade, with three of his films in the top theatrical documentaries of all time, earning over $55 million at 
at the box office. These include the hit films 2016 and America. He most recently has produced this film we're talking about called Gosnell, America's Biggest Serial Killer. He also worked with America's favorite teacher, Ben Stein, producing the film Expelled. John, very happy to have you with us. Congratulations on this new project. Oh, thank you, Caitlin. Uh, thank you for having me on. And, uh, you know, it's uh, a subject matter, as you were noting there, uh, that it's a story that has to be told, and it wasn't told in the mainstream media when it happened. And uh, it's something that we needed, felt that needed to have a light shined upon it. Right. So let's talk about that first, John. Dr. Kermit Gosnell, operating an abortion, operating an abortion clinic in Philadelphia for how many years? Uh, he was there for over 20 years. Um, he went without an inspection for over 17 years. And let me just put that in context for people. He had over 46 lawsuits against him. He had numerous complaints against him, um, not just from the abortion standpoint, but also from just reusing instruments, STDs being shared. Um, but you're saying, like, kind of it's laughable, you know, somebody like Planned Parenthood saying they stand up for women's rights, but um, would not, you know, uh, even kind of stand up to God's nail in the situation. And a nail clinic in Philadelphia needs to be inspected every single year. So he operated for 17 years without inspection. Uh, two women had died at his clinic. And then we know of the horrors that he had done to, you know, probably tens of thousands, at least thousands of children um, over those 17 years. So 17 consecutive years without an inspection, a health inspection of that clinic? Correct. How, what is the possible justification for any sort of health clinic to go that long without a health inspection? Well, in the grand jury report, they kind of nailed it. They said it was by design, and they really were right on that. Because it's such a hot-button issue in abortion that, you know, they did not want to. And when I say they, I'm talking about the government officials, the Health and Human Services of Pennsylvania Health Department, did not want to intervene um, to, quote-unquote, you know, um, limit women's reproduction rights. And so because it's such a hot topic issue, you now have women put into jeopardy and peril of what's going on in this man's um, clinic. And so it it was totally about the issue. That's why they didn't do it. And this came even from a Republican governor, Governor Rich, um, said directly do not uh, inspect these clinics. All right. So we don't have Governor Ridge here to ask him what he thinks in hindsight of uh, that directive. Uh, but we see that there were women who were butchered, including um, Karnamaya Mongar, who lost her life, a 41 years old Bhutanese refugee who died in that clinic. Um, plus, Kermit Gosnell convicted of murdering three babies born alive, hundreds of health and safety violations. Uh, talk about the story of this film and how it was birthed. Um, and how the idea of the media ignoring Gosnell's clinic figures in. Yeah, the film came about because uh, Phelan McAleer, one of the other producers, was actually in Pennsylvania. Um, he's an investigative journalist by background and investigated murders and IRA bombings. He's from Ireland. Um, so, you know, what does an investigative journalist do on their day off? They go to a murder trial. So he actually went to the Gosnell trial and sat through three days of it. And he was appalled to find that nobody was there, including journalists. Literally, as Phelan tells the story, there were two like Mennonite women in the back knitting, um, and that was it. Uh, there were row upon row of empty press chairs that were reserved for them. And as a journalist, he just found this appalling because there was a total dereliction of duty. Now, Phelan came from a place that he really didn't have a strong opinion either way on abortion. He just found this a compelling 
uh, trial to, to look at and then that the media wasn't covering it was in and of itself a story to him. And it showed that the nature of this, because Gosnell is, by all circumstances, the biggest serial killer we've ever known about, uh, given that he operated for 17 years. You know, they found over 40 babies in that clinic uh, when they went in there, and many of them were over, uh, were, were totally in viable stages, uh, could have lived, and the way he went about killing them uh, was not in a humane way, not that there, I think there ever is in an abortion situation, but these, these were children that were born alive, um, that were viable children. So if you, and that was, they thought the prosecution by the me, that was about a month's worth of, of, uh, not even a month, a couple of weeks of, of work that had gone on. So when you extrapolate that out, it's thousands of children, um, that would have died over those 17 years. And so that's kind of who really was formed, uh, as you said, birthed out of that. Uh, then we went on a crowdfunding uh, campaign. We were originally on Kickstarter, but they kicked us off because of the content. And we went to Indiegogo, and we had over 30,000 people respond and raise over $2.3 million uh, to make this movie happen. Wow. The film is called Gosnell, The Trial of America's Biggest Serial Killer, debuting nationwide in theaters tomorrow. We're talking to one of the producers, John Sullivan. John, um, it is hard for me to get my head around the fact that this ghastly thing happened over and over and over again in Gosnell's clinic. And when the trial finally happened, all of those press seats were empty. Yeah, I mean, but that's the, the, the fact of the matter. And, you know, even the press later on, they did cover his verdict. I will, I will say that they came kind of late to the party. But this was after they were shamed by Kirsten Powers, who wrote an op-ed in the USA Today, and basically said, this is an atrocious ab- uh, abdication of, of uh, journalism going on here. When we don't have, this would be wall-to-wall news that this man did what he did. And it doesn't matter if you're pro-choice, pro-life, whatever. We should all be able to stand together and say, this is wrong. And so Christian was the first one to kind of bring this to attention. Then they kind of came around, but only for the verdict for a couple of days, and then went away. And we've seen with what just happened with Kavanaugh, that if the media wants to make something, you know, a 24-7 news story, you know, they'll, they'll find every angle they can. So, again, they chose to ignore this story. And they chose ultimately to ignore these victims because that was the problem. Karamaya Munger, Shamika Shah were both, uh, died within Gosnell's clinic. But the real victims, the, the, the most victims there, were these children. And you have to recognize them as children. And that becomes a problem for the media. Kermit Gosnell is serving three consecutive life sentences, the new movie that is about his story, Gosnell, The Trial of America's Biggest Serial Killer, talking to one of the producers, John Sullivan. John, talk about the actors. So this is not a documentary. This is a drama. It is a drama. So we have a great cast. Uh, people all recognize the cast that's in the film. Uh, Dean Kane plays the lead detective, Jim Woods. You know, we really just follow the story as it un- unravels. And what happened here was that Gosnell was originally investigated for drug, uh, selling illegal prescription drugs. And that's what leads this in is that it starts as a drug bust that once they go in the clinic, they suddenly discover, you know, as I said, almost 40, uh, over 40 bodies of these kids. And that's when this became a murder trial. And it's really because of the work of Detective Jim Wood. And I actually had the privilege of being with Jim again. He was on set with us, but I just saw him again at our premiere here in Hollywood. And uh, he's just one of those salt-of-the-earth people you're so glad uh, is part of our police force and fighting for justice. And he's the one that fought for the justice of Karnamaya Monger and for these kids. 
Uh, Nick Surfy, who people may know from Justified, uh, he's also in The Shape of Water, Three Billboards, Castaway. Uh, he plays a defense attorney, plus he also directed the film. Sarah Jane Morris from NCIS, Michael Beach, who's currently on SWAT, um, and plus other countless films. Uh, Janine Turner was on Northern Exposure, uh, and Earl Billings uh, are all in the movie. Uh, so it'll be a recognizable cast, and we really just follow it. And it's not a gory movie or a graphic movie. Some people are concerned about that, but it's not in that way at all. I highly encourage people. My 13-year-old daughters have seen it. Teenagers have seen this movie. It is rated PG-13 for the subject matter, but it's not a graphic movie. Hmm. All right, John, last question for you. Um, yes. Was it hard to have this produced? I mean, once you did the uh, the Indiegogo and got the got the money put together, was it a hard film to convince actors, actresses to be involved in, directors, et cetera? Uh, for some, yes. I mean, like, we, we had to make a lot of casting offers for the female lead role, which this should have been a home run for just about any female actress because it's a strong female lead role. Uh, that was difficult. The other ones were easier, like Dean Kane. Uh, Dean was a friend of mine. I went to Dean. Nick and I both went to Dean about it, and uh, he said, I'm on board. Uh, you know, same thing with um, Janine Turner. Uh, came on board right away for us. But at the same time, you know, it, it was difficult. And it's been difficult, more difficult to get this movie out. You know, we've been blocked by Facebook from putting ads up to promote the movie uh, that are non-political ads. And again, this movie isn't a political movie. We, we just follow the facts of what happened. This is a true story. And we just document that. But Facebook's blocked us. NPR has blocked us. Um, we had a screen shut down in Austin uh, at the Hyatt Hotel. So we've had you know, this has been a challenge uh, to get it out there. Even some theaters don't want to carry it. Um, and we've had to fight for uh, screens um, out there. So it is very important people come the opening weekend if you want to see it. Again, it's not a graphic movie. It's like an episode of Law & Order or CSI. So if you can watch those, you can definitely watch the Gosnell movie. John, we're happy that you were able to come on the show today and talk about this. Gosnell, The Trial of America's Biggest Serial Killer, debuting nationwide in theaters tomorrow coming to Pittsburgh in five different locations tomorrow, including the AMC Waterfront, the AMC Classic in Mount Lebanon, the Cinemark 18 in Pittsburgh Mills, AMC Classic in Westmoreland, and the Marquee Cinemas in Highland. Find one of those five places and see this film this weekend. The story deserves to be told. The day after Thanksgiving, feed your soul. Join Amen to Action as we come together to sing, pray, celebrate, and pack one million meals of hope for the hungry. It's Friday, November 23rd at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center. Doors open at 8 a.m. and all faiths and ages are welcome. Come fill your heart with joy and one million plates of food right here in Pittsburgh. To register, go to amentoaction.org. Right now, there are young people across the world facing a tough choice. Continue their dream of education or drop out to help their family put food on the table. You can help change their future in a single moment. See how far your support can go at unbound.org. Rising premiums, increased deductibles, network providers, health insurance can be very confusing, and you need to make an informed decision. 
For help with your health insurance or Medicare needs, call Brian Rauder from Health Markets Insurance at 412-738-1927. Brian is a trusted agent who can work with you to get the best plan to protect you and your family. That's Brian Rauder from Health Markets Insurance at 412-738-1927. Call now. Pastor Andrew Brunson is an ordained minister in the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. He's been serving in Turkey for the last, I don't know, 23, 24 years. That's where he makes his home. But uh, about two years ago, Pastor Brunson was arrested. And uh, he was arrested for nothing more than uh, being associated with a suspected coup against the government in Turkey. He has been wrongfully accused. He's been wrongfully imprisoned. And he has been behind bars for almost, no, even more than two years. Now, Andrew Brunson, um, if you've been following his story, and many of you I know have, um, is having a trial tomorrow. Now, he's been under house arrest, so he's been able to be in his former home um, without freedom to leave it, but at least he has not been in prison for the last couple months. And we've got conflicting info right now suggesting that tomorrow at his trial, Andrew could be detained or released after the trial. It's hard to know which way that'll go. And so I ask you right now to pray for Pastor Brunson specifically that he would not be returned to prison, but that the Turkish court would declare his time served and that he could return to America. So our prayers, we lift them up to God on behalf of Pastor Andrew the Brunson. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Word FM and Salem Communications. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.